You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5 and verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also hath loved, uh, loved the church and gave himself for it. Today I'm not going to talk to you, albeit it is Valentine's Day, I'm not going to talk to you about husbands and wives. I'm going to talk to you about Christ and his church. Amen. I don't really like holiday messages very much. <laughs> I don't like being dictated to by a calendar. But I do love certain themes, and the theme of love is an amazing theme that runs from Genesis to Revelation, the love of God. Amen. And I want you to know that, that God loves you, and God loves the church, and today we're going to talk about why God loves the church. I'm not going to be able to cover it all in great detail because we have about 45 minutes here to do it. There's an awful lot to it, and this could become a series of messages that we will bring to you over the next few weeks, I'm not sure. With Israel preaching next week, I know I'll have a couple of weeks of cleaning up to do after he gets done with you. So I may have to... Where is he? He next door. I can say anything I want to then. He was one of my students, so I, I know that a lot of what's in him he got from me, so I'm just playing. We're just playing. But why, why God loves the church? I'm going to give you five reasons. You knew it would be five, didn't you? Number one, because it's how he adds to his family. Number two, because the church is how he teaches and trains his family. Number three is because it is the epicenter of faith in the earth. And he's so attracted to faith. Number four, because people give testimony of his greatness and praise him. And five, because of the price he paid for it. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. I'm going to try my best not to keep you too long. I don't like long-winded preachers, and I don't like being one. That reminds me, Israel's preaching next week. <laughs> That's two shots I got in on him. Isn't it? <laughs> Acts 2.47. <laughs> His answer, this is the day of love you're not supposed to be. <laughs> Acts 2.47. Y'all know I adore that boy. Acts 2, 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved or such as were being saved. 
One of the reasons why God loves the church so much is because it's how He adds to His family. He doesn't have another plan for growing the kingdom or growing His family. He has one plan, the church. Everywhere they went in missions in the New Testament, they left there establishing, having established churches. Great crusades are awesome. One-on-one -on -one witnessing is amazing. But nothing is quite as grand as the establishment of a church. Amen. The church is God's best idea for global evangelization. He has some good ideas, but the church is the best idea for winning the world. Amen. It's how he adds to his family. Build a church. Ladies, those of you who are looking for a husband, make sure that your husband doesn't just want you for one thing. Your future husband. Make sure he wants you to build something. Make sure that he wants you beside him to grow something, to build something, to establish something. Amen. Amen. Because God does not love the church just because He loves the church. He loves the church for reasons. He has reasons. Now, yeah, He does just love people. He is love. But you need to understand that He has a project in mind for the church. That is to take over the world. Now, the book of Revelation seems to say that we're not actually going to accomplish that. But you don't want to think like that. You want to think like you're here to dominate and win the whole wide world. Yes. The meanest person you know is likely to want to get saved if you'll just tell them about Jesus. I'm going to try this side over here. <laughs> the meanest person you know is likely, to want to try, is likely to want to get saved if you'll just tell them about Jesus because you, can never, you cannot tell by how they talk. Yeah. There we go. See, this side's having revival. <laughs> this must be the Republicans over here, I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, ins I insulted every half the church right then. Just <laughs> it's how he adds to his family. The love he has for the church is how he adds to his family. He says, says that the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. They were all praising God, having favor with all the people. And God uses the gathering of the church to say something to the world. What He says to the world through the gathering of the church is, I love people. Amen. That's right. This is how He loves the world through you and adds them to His family. Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. That is, when Barnabas got to Antioch, he found Gentiles getting saved there, as a group of Gentiles had already been saved in chapter 10 at Caesarea. And then they hear that this is happening up in Antioch as well, and they send Barnabas to go check it out. In chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus gets saved before these people are at, at, uh, at Caesarea are saved, Cornelius and his household, and before these people in Antioch are getting saved, these Gentiles we're talking about, people who do not keep the law. 
And Barnabas knows about Saul's testimony. And what Jesus had said to Saul was, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Are you hearing me? And Barnabas had heard this testimony. And when he hears of these Gentiles getting saved, the first thing he does is leaves Antioch and goes to Tarsus to get Saul. Because he knows there's already somebody selected by Almighty God to go after these Gentiles. Even though some of them are coming in without Saul's message, without Saul being on the team yet. Barnabas remembers, I've heard this testimony before. Verse 26 says, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Everybody say, taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now some will say this is a, this is a, a, a slur. But it works out all right. The church accepted the slur. Because they, re, they became to realize that they were very much like Christ. Christian means like Christ or little Christ. Amen. You, you are the anointed one just like He is the anointed one. You can't anoint the... The head in the Old Testament, when they anointed the head, it ran down on the beard, ran down on the gar his garment, ran down over his whole body. The same anointing on Jesus is the same anointing on you. Glory to God. They stayed a whole year in the simple and and taught much people. The second reason God loves the church, Jesus loves the church, is because it is how he teaches and trains his family. It's how he teaches and trains his family. I hear people say, well, the Lord taught me this, the Lord taught me that, the Lord taught me this, and most of that is, is garbage. Most of what I hear is just stupid. Most of it. I'm not saying all of it, but so, so much of what people say the Lord taught them through sufferings uh, is not in the Bible at all. I said to one woman one time, but that's not what the Bible says. She said, I can't help that. I know what God told me. I said, Yikes. Yikes. You can't help what the Bible says, but you know what God told you. Well, next time I need a word from God, I'm going to call you and stop reading my Bible. Yikes. God doesn't just drop things on you. He brings you to a body of believers where teaching is taking place. This is His primary way of winning your soul, not winning your heart, but winning your soul is by training you and teaching you while you sit at the feet of the Word. Woo. This is really good. It's how He teaches and trains His family. There's nothing worse than a well-disciplined man with unruly kids. Because your kids, are, it got quiet in here when I said that, didn't it? Because your kids are supposed to look like you and act like you. One scripture I just read uh, in 1 Timothy, I think it was, said, How shall a man rule his own uh, rule house of God if he doesn't rule his own house? And it's not talking about having control over his wife, but it's having his kids in, in, in control in all, with all gravity. Yeah. It's a disqualifier, yeah. it sounds like to me, because God does not going to have a family that doesn't look and act like him. He birthed you so you could look like Him on the inside. And it takes training and teaching to become like Him in the way you live, walk, and talk. Yeah. Yeah. You're not saved by how well you perform. Amen. Right. But other people will be. Yeah. Woo. 
That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> You're not saved by how well you perform, but other people will be. It's how he loves the church because this is how he gets the word to his family. Chapter 14, Acts 14, 23. I'm moving right along here. Acts 14, 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. Now look down at Acts chapter 16 and verse 5. These both say the same thing, Acts 16, 5. And so were the churches established in the faith. The word, the word thee is not in the text. Established in faith and increased in number daily. They commended them unto the Lord on whom they believed. And so were the churches established in faith and increased in number daily. Daily. The third thing I want to talk to you about is because the reason God loves the church is because it is the epicenter for faith in the earth. Amen. At least it's supposed to be. You don't go to, go to school in the mornings. Some of you are going to go to school classes tomorrow morning, and you're probably never going to hear one teacher say, and there are great teachers in our school systems, but it's, it's difficult for them to say, have faith in God, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not really the school teacher's job. It's the church's job to say that Amen. when we're collected to equip you to go live a life of faith. Yeah. Amen. 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 I'm not saying a school teacher can't say that or a doctor can't say that. How many of you have ever, ever had a doctor that prayed over you? I had a doctor that prayed over me. He was a chiropractor. He used to pray over me and speak in other tongues while he prayed over me. And crack my back. Yabba dabba do, man. I was speaking in tongues too. I was speaking in tongues just to survive it, you know what I mean? But the church... Not the church scattered, but the church assembled. That's what the word means, the gathered ones, the called out gathered ones. Is the epicenter for faith in the earth. Because this is the place where the word of God is most richly dispensed. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Acts chapter 14, verse 27. I'm going somewhere with this. Acts chapter 14 and verse 27. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Praise God. The fourth thing is this, because people give testimony of his greatness and praise him. People give testimony of his greatness. They came back saying, look what God has done. He's opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And Hebrews 2.12, Hebrews 2.12 says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. This is Jesus in the midst of his church praising the Father. Amen. Mm, that's strong. That's what Hebrews 2 is all about. Jesus saying, I will call them my brethren, and in the midst of the church I will praise the Father. Glory to God. So when you open your mouth and praise Jesus, when you open your mouth and praise the Father, that's the Lord praising through you. Amen. He loves the church because this is the place where people give testimony of His greatness 
and where they praise Him. Do you know everybody has a unique tongue print? Your tongue print is as unique as your fingerprint. Think about that. And they call language a tongue. So when you praise Him this morning, all across the globe, as even with the time changes, literally millions of people, literally millions of people are praising God. He hears all the praise go up, all the worship go up with, with one great chorus. But He recognized your tongue print. Ah, glory to God. Thousands of voices all at once going up to God. And he, hey, I, I heard holler. Did you hear him? That was awesome. I, I, I heard him. I heard Dean. I heard him. I heard him. I heard him praise me right there. He hears every different tongue. My son came home from CFNI many, many years ago with their worship recording. It was a CD. I mean, it wasn't a CD. It was a cassette, a cassette tape. He said, Dad, I got the new CFNI tape. Y'all know what Christ for the Nations is? Yeah. Bible College. We, we produce uh, a worship tape every, every year. He brought it home, said, I got the new one. I said, that's cool. Put it in. He put it in. We started listening to it. He said, Dad, this one's special. I said, well, we may put one out every year, son. He said, yeah, I know, because he's an he's a alumnus just like I am. So we put one out every year. He said, I know, but this one's special. I said, why? He said, I'm on this one. <laughs> and I listened and I listened. 1,200 voices recorded there. I said, which one is you? <laughs> He said, I don't know, but I'm in there. I know I'm there. He might not even been able to distinguish his own voice in the throng, but God knew it. God heard his voice. And every time somebody played that tape, God heard it again. Amen. They're listening to you today. In heaven, they're listening to you in the print of your tongue. Praise God as you give him worship. God loves the church because people give testimony of his greatness and praise him. Why don't we just take a little praise break? Why don't you thank him and praise him for something that's going good in your life right now? Just lift up your hands and thank him. Praise him. Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness and grace to me. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for the sacrifice you made for me. Thank you for this church that you allowed me to be a part of. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. The Apostle Paul says to the Ephesian elders, Take heed therefore unto yourselves. Acts 20 verse 28. And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For those of you who do not believe that Jesus was God, when did God have blood? Mm, come on, somebody ought to shout amen for this. When did God have blood? In Jesus. Amen. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. The last thing I want to talk to you about is this. 
The reason why God loves the church is because of the price He paid for it. Do you know it costs twice as much for the U.S. Mint to make a penny as that penny is actually worth? <laughs> Same for a nickel. It costs a dime to make a nickel. Last year, you and your government wasted $100 million on that effort alone, making pennies and nickels. And they'll waste another $100 million this year. And it'll just get worse and worse. Because the value of our money is going down, while the price of labor and all that is going up. The price of the, of the metals is going up. This is the nature of the human, exist, of the human condition. It seems like we don't know how to keep value in anything. With politicians wanting to change the Constitution or act like it doesn't exist, cling to your Bibles and guns, will you? No matter what they say. Keep your rights. Because the day you give up your Bible and you give up your, your guns, they will take you, they will make you a slave. We were selling a house one day. We were selling a house one time, a few years back. The realtor came, and we sat with her to try to figure out what the house was worth, what we would put it on the market for. And she did her little appraisal, and she said, now what do you want to sell it for? I said, what's it worth? She looked over her glasses like this. She said, sir, the house is worth what you say it is worth. I said, but what if they won't buy it? Well, she said, I'm sorry. <laughs> really, the house is worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. What is the church worth to God? What he was willing to pay for it. Why do you call yourself a sinner saved by grace when God calls you worthy of the blood of Jesus? The most precious thing he could find. The most, the most precious thing he could find to pay. He paid for you. That establishes your worth, not your performance. The worst sinners in the world are able to get saved today because God valued them worthy of the blood of Jesus before they were ever found worthy, before they ever did anything right. The worth of a thing is valued at what someone is willing to pay for it. Somebody said, well, how did he do that with his death? He died. He, he, he died. Yeah, I know he died. But in his dying, he was winning. In 1923, a guy named Frank Hayes won a race at Belmont out on Long Island, New York, on a horse. You know what Belmont is? That's where Secretariat did that big thing. Frank Hayes won a race at Belmont in 1923, beating all the other horses, and he was dead when he crossed the finish line. He'd had a heart attack while he was in the race, but his body somehow stayed on the horse. 
and a dead man won the race. Glory to God, a dead man won your race too. You're victorious because there was a dead man, praise God. His death brought us the victory. Amen, that's a powerful thought. His death won us the victory. The victory over what? Over death. That automatically means if you've already beaten death by your faith in Christ, that means you've beaten sin and what sin causes. Amen. Amen. So that means you have a right to be healed. That means you have a right to prosper. You have a right to be blessed because God loves His church. And He proved how much He loved the church because of what He was willing to pay to have it. Hallelujah. Now I want to say it again. Five things. Five points of grace here. Why does God love the church? Because it's how He adds to His family. Because it's how He teaches and trains His family. Because it's the epicenter for faith in the earth. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Because people give testimony of His greatness and praise Him. And five, because of the price He paid for it. That's why He loves the church. I was watching... I was watching uh, Antiques Roadshow. Y'all ever see that show? I love it. I love watching people's reaction when they find out their priceless treasure is worthless. (laughs) Don't you just love that? Sometimes they're mad and hurt and offended and embarrassed, but other times they go, well, it belonged to my grandmother. So it's priceless to me. Love elevates everybody's value and everybody's worth. This week I want to challenge you. Take the love of God that's in you, in your life and in your heart. And find that person that you really don't like. Find a way, I don't mean your husband, I mean... (laughs) Somebody else you don't like. Is <laughs> that a little too close to home? <laughs> Find that person and express the love of God somehow to them and watch their value go up in your own eyes. There is a good God in heaven who knows you by name, who loves you without, without condition. And he wants you to know that you are in his family and that you are really the only way others can come into his family. The church is his best idea for world evangelization. It's how he adds to his family. It's how he teaches and trains his family. It's the epicenter of faith in the earth. People give testimony to Him and praise Him because of the price He paid. This is why God loves the church. Why God will always love the church. I know some of you have been hurt by churches. Some of us have been hurt by ladders, but we still climb them. (laughs) 
some of us been given the wrong the wrong order at Burger King, but you still go back there. The church is God's best idea. Of course, the church is going to hurt you from time to time. Because the devil's going to do everything he t can to ruin the reputation of the church to you. May I encourage you to stay in the church. Stay in church. Stay strong. This is the epicenter of faith. Praise God.